1: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
3: Welcome to another edition of Sound of Spurs podcast. A very special edition today because we got one of my favorite all-time Spurs with us—a guy who played in the NBA for a long, long time, and he played very well too. And uh, we'll talk more about that later. But a member of the 3 championship team, uh, a guy who wore elbow pads better than anybody in the history of That's the right. NBA. That's right, <laughs> my man, Kevin Willis. Good. Good to see you. Good to no see doubt. you, thank Kevin. You. Thank and thank you. you looked like you could still play, and we, you know, we talked about that because it was just mm-hmm. yesterday you were still playing,
2: right? That's
4: right, man. It's it's. Time is just amazing. Sometimes I think about it, and it's like twenty years past that quick. And um, it's just—it's just, it's truly a blessing. It's yeah, and blessing.
2: it's
3: the fiftieth anniversary of this organization. And uh, obviously, you played in the latter part of your career for the Spurs. But I know, being a Detroit guy, you had to follow the Iceman.
1: Uh, and George all day long, yes. <laughs> he was—he
4: was a hero in yes, Detroit. He so, is he that was. your earliest recollection of the Spurs when the Iceman was playing? Yes, it is. Um, in high school, I remember going ninth grade, going tenth grade. When I was um, in Kettering High School, I played against his brother, Derek, in high school. And everybody, the whole city, was talking about the Iceman, the Iceman <laughs> George Gervin. Now they're talking about Derek Gervin, and it's like, wow, I played against this guy every year, every year that I was in high school and um but great memories though
3: yeah i believe derek played at utsa he here sure in san did. antonio sure if, uh, if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. well let's start at the beginning we mentioned detroit obviously mm-hmm. it's a big basketball city uh, motown city uh, ice is on the show we talked a lot about uh, growing up in that those days of course for him was mm-hmm. the height of motown and That's the right. temptations and and how much music was really a part of That's his right. growing up but i'm sure it had an impact on you as well
4: even till this day that Motown sound, that Motown music is so inspiring, has so much inspiration, such a, an incredible message behind it that I, I go to it today. I mean, I, I listen to it every single day. I listen to Motown. Is that right? Yes. The Temptations, the Marvin Gaye, um, you're talking about, um, especially Marvin, you got... Um, the
3: list uh, goes on, on the mean, four tops. Just, and... just
4: the tops. I mean, you yep. got... I mean, tons of guys, the Jacksons, I mean, Michael, I mean, you got just tons of guys. All the way through. Yes.
3: Yeah. And music was kind of a, a background, and Ice was saying, for you know his growing up, and, uh, and maybe that was part of yours, too. But uh, Detroit, obviously, is a, a city that's got a lot of basketball. Yes, it is. Uh, And were you recruited by Judd Heathcote at Michigan State, or how'd that work
4: out? Not until, let's see, I had to go to junior college first. And I went to my junior college in Jackson, Michigan. And after that, then I got picked up. Jail was coming.
3: Okay, now tell me about him, because uh, I always see him from a distance, and Judd Heathcote is kind of a legendary coach, yes, uh, old gray hair guy, mm-hmm. I remember, but uh, what was he an old-school type guy? Old-school to the max.
4: Um, no-nonsense, funny guy, but no-nonsense, demanded a lot from, from his players, uh, very uh, disciplinary and things like that, but he was really on me a lot, and I really didn't understand why at that time, but... He's one of the key personnel that helped me get not only through college, but through the pros, how I did a pro's pro. And he, he taught me a lot. And um, bless his soul. I mean, it was he was just so instrumental in my life, my development, my maturity, my mindset, how I, my outlook on basketball. He was just amazing.
3: I always think of Michigan State as kind of a hard-nosed team. Of Mm -hmm. course, Tom Izzo took over, and and, uh, they had that uh, tough-nosed, hard-nosed defense with Draymond Green and players like that. Uh, And uh, you kind of fit that mold, even though you were before uh, Tom Izzo. Uh, But um, is there a certain type of player that uh, he was looking for at Michigan State that he wanted you to be, uh, that physical enforcer
4: type guy? Yeah, he wanted me to be that guy who sort of controls the middle. Rebound, block shots. Cause havoc in the middle, and score when opportunity presented itself, obviously. But he just made sure that I mentally was always ready and prepared to play basketball and knew how to play basketball. And he taught me how to play basketball because I started in such a late part of my career. I mean, I started uh, 16 years old, 17 years That's old. That's amazing. Started, you didn't yeah. start playing until you were About in your mid-teens. Is that 16, right? Yeah, yeah. I played one solid <laughs> high school year, and that was my senior year. I started my junior year, but it really didn't develop anything until my senior year.
3: But did it take you a while to catch up? I mean, because obviously these guys had a big, huge start on you.
4: Well, they had to start. But my my work ethic and my discipline and my focus and my dedication and and my belief and my faith in God is saying that just keep working, keep working, keep working. And once I got going, it was better than the Energized Bunny. Uh,
3: (laughs) I am never cut off. Plus, the Big Ten has always been a good conference. That Mm -hmm. was good competition for you, I'm sure.
4: Yeah, it was very physical, very physical. So I had to go from – you know, playing in junior college competition to the Big Ten, and it was bigger guys, stronger guys, more experienced guys. And so you had to take those bumps and those bruises. But after my sophomore year, it was like, okay, this is what it's about, and now I'm going to control this thing now. And Judd allowed me to do that as far as far as from a, a physicality standpoint. and But play smart, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. The Atlanta Hawks took you and uh, in 1984, yes. I believe, so yes. uh, what was that like because uh, you're a guy from Detroit and mm-hmm. uh, from up north, and you go to school right there in Michigan, and now you got to go south.
4: It was a surprise. I always thought I was going to go somewhere else.
1: Ball loose on the floor, picked up by Eddie Johnson, Hawks go the other way, off to Willis, for the slam, and that got the
4: fire going with the stands. And I wanted to go to New York so, so bad uh, because of the fashion, the whole nine yards, but you know, then we ended up going to Atlanta, great city, and um, they picked the number 11, and um, they were an up-and-coming team, young, with Dominique Wilkins and Tree Rollins and Danny Roundfield and all these guys. And it was like, you know what? You gotta go in and help these guys. You gotta go in these, to this team and help these guys learn how to win, build a, a build a strong foundation, the chemistry. And we had, like, at that time, young Mike Patello, and he was, <laughs> he was like his first year, so he was trying to learn and, and know when to move and when not to move but we ended up doing pretty good and Doc Rivers came eventually Doc, right yeah, Doc was there before I was there okay. so it was Doc Dominique Tree Rollins Dan Roundfield then he got traded then we had Cliff uh, Livingston Antoine Carr we had a good core Randy Whitman uh doc we have a good core of guys
3: yeah and you, know. and you were contenders for a while yes, but uh, we were. but it was very really tough in the eastern conference boston
4: celtics. <laughs> celtics man they were they were our achilles heel and um but eventually um you know we even though we couldn't overcome that but we we learned a lot from it we learned a
3: lot so you got it. to play in the old garden yes what was yes. that like during their heyday when uh you know bird and parish and mikhail were going? It, it
4: was it was fun it was um every night it was all about the Boston Celtics. We don't care about the, um, the, the opposing team. It's Celtics, Celtics, Celtics. The referees were Celtics, Celtics, Celtics. Uh, <laughs> but we want to go in there and prove that we're better. We want to go in there and prove that we can beat these these guys. And, and some nights we had our moments, but... More more, more, more nights than we, we we lost, more than we we won, but we picked up a lot of experience. And we carried that with us every night whenever we played them.
3: Is it safe to say the officials let a little bit more go back then? Because I think of those Knicks mm-hmm. teams and, of course, the Pistons teams mm-hmm. uh, during the late 80s. It seemed like
4: there was a lot of banging going on. It was a lot of banging. It was two referees at the time, so you could just go in and bang. They can't catch everything you get busting the out to get elbowed in the chin whatever it was and sometimes you get caught sometimes you don't but that's how the, that's how we played that was the eastern conference and i loved it I, I i welcomed it and i they taught me a lot and so I knew how to after a while if you get more experience you understand how to use that physical part and then you know the mental part and who who what referee you can get away with stuff and what referees you can't do anything with
3: I was kidding with you before we started about your elbow pads, because mm-hmm. that's the way a lot of people do remember you, because you yeah. always had those elbow pads. Mm-hmm. Look like you are ready to go uh, out and play some offensive line, right? That's right. Uh, where did those elbow pads come from, and uh, why did you use them?
4: Well, that's then my first year in Atlanta. I ended up injuring that funny bone. On one on, on this left arm, it was like I hit it, and it never, every time I would touch it or get hit in practice, I get this this nerve-shocking thing up my arm. And I was like, man, this thing is killing me. So I said, the trainer said, let me put this on you. put the elbow pad on me. And he said, this should absorb some of that. And so I did that. Did that for like the rest of the year. And and it was like funny. I got one on and one off. I was like, no, man, I got to put both of them on. So I put them on the next year. I had two of them on. And it was like, now I'm looking like a superhero now. So I'm really like, this is really cool. And it's been my, my, my trademark ever since. Right.
3: And they're not shooting sleeves like they have now, right? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I can't imagine Kevin Willis wearing no, a shooting sleeve. Never, that, that's just not, kind of not, not your style. Uh, then you go to Miami. Yes. And uh, you, you played for them
4: uh, for a little while. Yes, Miami was a great team. To my surprise, I mean, I was... All of a sudden, I'm in the hotel in Utah. All of a sudden, now I get a call. My agent calls and says, hey, man, you know what? Wake up. Just this is traded. after nine years, right? Yeah. Two, well, 10, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, you're in your 10th season. Tenth just season. started your 10th season, th- season, right? Yes. And they said, well, you're, you just got traded to the Miami Heat. I'm waking up. I'm like, what? Yeah. Miami Heat, I said, um, for who? Steve Smith, Grant Long, and a draft pick. Another Michigan State guy. Another Michigan State guy. Who would later I mean, become a teammate. That's right. And a champion. So <laughs> it was right. like... Okay, cool. I said, um, now it's for real. Now it's about the business of basketball. Mm-hmm. All this other stuff we're talking about, that's cool. But now this is the business side now. Now I got to wake up. I got to mature. And I said, because I can play basketball on the other side of the world. I don't care where I'm at. I can always play basketball. So if it's in Miami, if it's in Golden State, wherever it is, I can play basketball. And I packed my bags. Man, I was next thing I was in Miami. They opened my arms, welcome me in. And hey. It started from that moment. Mm. And you've
3: always been a guy that was a good locker room guy and a good mm-hmm. glue guy. Did that help you later in your career, especially when you know teams wanted a veteran guy on the, on their ball club, maybe mm-hmm. to be a, a mentor to some of the younger players?
4: I always wanted to do something like that as I got older because um, my, my ego never played a role in, well, I'm not starting anymore, this and that. Because when I went to Houston, I had Charles, Hakeem, and Clyde. And I was starting before I went to Houston. And it was like, Well, I'm bagging up Hakeem, or I'm going to have to bag up Charles, but that's cool. We're trying to win the championship, and that's what it's about with me. So it was like I'm going to play my minutes, and I can still be productive, but I'm just not starting. So it was all good with me, and I could go in a locker room and be a, a strong voice if I needed to be, but we had leaders on that team as well. So any team I went to, my thing was be a leader, be a professional, bring what you bring to the game, and whatever you bring to the locker room that you can help these younger guys I'm all, I'm all for it.
3: And that was certainly one of your
4: main roles when you came to the Spurs. Yes. Uh,
3: take us through how that whole thing with Pop and RC happened and uh, you ended up in San Antonio.
4: I was at home in Atlanta and um, obviously it was summertime and I get a call and it was from the Spurs front office. It was Lance Blanks. <laughs> the man Lance, man. Uh, I've
3: known Lance a long time. I was the voice of the Texas Longhorns and he was playing for UT. Wow, how about that? Man, that's way, that's long, crazy, Long right? time ago, yeah.
4: We get a call from the gym at Houston saying, hey, Kevin, San Antonio is interested and you playing for him. I said, okay, cool. And so he said, hey, Tarsie Buford and Greg Popovich, maybe give you a call. And I said, cool. And so the, he told me that they already spoke with um, him already. Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, I get on the phone, it's Pop. I'm talking mm-hmm. to Pop. And he talks to me and I'm like, I would be honored. I'm thinking in my mind, David, <laughs> Tim. I'm like, yeah, I'll be honored to come to San Antonio and play. And he said, um, well, here we are. We, we, we've talked. Uh, the Rockets told, told us everything about you. We like what we heard. And here we are. And once I got here, man, it was on. Mm-hmm. And yeah.
3: you knew this was a contender right away. obviously, oh, yeah. With that kind of front court. And good role players like Malik
4: Rose. Uh, Malik. Uh, you know, oh, yep. man, Steve. man, Steven Jackson. Well, you know, these guys could play, man. These mm-hmm. Guys could play, man. Yeah, They're and
3: ballers. defense was a priority back then. It wasn't priority,
4: it, it was priority one in order to win it. You got to mm-hmm. play some defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What,
3: what was your first impression when you got to the Spurs organization? Because at that point, at all, you had been in the league for quite a while, playing against the Spurs all these
4: years. You know, my thing was it was it was like, Kev, just just come and be you. Come and just give what God's given you and mm-hmm. given to you your whole entire career. Just bring that to the Spurs. Bring it just like you've always done—the professional attitude, the locker room, the, the togetherness, the unit. I'm all there with me, man. It was like, wow. And you know, when we had the when we had the big team dinner over at the owner's house before the season started, right? And so out there in the country, right? On out out the there yeah. <laughs> yes. And I really didn't know the guys personally. I mean, I knew Steve Smith, obviously. But all the other guys, I really didn't know them, so I just playing against them all, obviously. But. And David and 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 Tim told me later on that when I went down to the pool, the lake area down there where it was just eating and just having fun, jumping and swimming and things like that, and they were trying to plan on how to grab me and throw me in. <laughs> but when I walked over there, I was no-nonsense, right? And they were like, no, we may, we may not want to do that. <laughs> and so... Um, I was talking to him. And I was looking for some shorts because I was going to do it. And I said, no, I'm going to just walk off to, to the side of the the, the the river here and just walk and kind of think a little bit and put this whole thing in, in perspective. And I went down to the end of, not to the end of it, but I went probably about 500 yards down and I'm just sitting on the water and I'm just looking at the water and it's so beautiful and serene. I'm like, wow. And so I do, a, I say a prayer mm-hmm. and I said this prayer and I asked God, I said, listen, just allow me to give what you've always given me. A great person, character, hardworking, I've been injured free, the work ethic, the, the voice to, of a leader, just allow me to deliver that. And after I said that prayer, I had a couple of tears in my eyes, and then before I got off that rock, the Lord told me, you're winning the championship this year. Wow. You told me, you're winning the championship this year. And I was like, wow. And I believed it, right? So after we got started, I went back down. I had fun. I ate. I had a great time. And then the season, preseason started. Everything was going. I started to get used to the guys. They got used to me. And I had my little thing where I had certain handshakes for guys. <laughs> That's right. Um, all these things. And and it was just amazing. And this thing came over me the whole for the whole season and then we got to the playoffs. I had this big thing playoffs, playoffs going on. We're doing good. I get kicked out against the Phoenix Sun for knocking the fire out of somebody. I get suspended <laughs> for a game. And I'm like, okay, Kev, okay, you got it out the way. Okay, cool. And so you set the tone. I'm good. But we kept persevering. We kept going. We got through Dallas. We got through Dallas. Got through the Lakers and we got And now, some little miracles were happening along the
3: way that year. Steve <laughs> Kerr came off the bench. Steve had not been playing very much. Oh my God. But those four threes he hit turned that game around right Unbelievable. Up in my man
4: my, Tony was was ill and it was like, okay, no, the faith, we're not gonna lose the faith. We're gonna mm-hmm. keep going. We got a hell of a team here. So we kept going, we kept going. And then when we got to the finals, I was like, wow, we're first time ever in the finals. First time I'm so excited, but I'm poised. And then, long story short, as we got going, we we beat Phoenix four two. Mm-hmm. Then we turned around, we beat Dallas, and then we beat no, we beat the Lakers four two. Then it was Dallas, I think it was uh, ending the Lakers' run. Yes,
3: they had won three in a row, and that was the semifinals, the conference semifinals. Right.
4: Okay, so we won that one four two, and then we got to the finals. And now we win that one four two. So every round was four two, four, two, that's four, two, right. four, two. I was like, okay, we won a championship. But then I said, hold up. God told me in the beginning we was gonna win a championship. And every round was four two my number. Oh, that's right. Four two, four, two, <laughs> four, two, four, two. And I said from that moment I said, you know what? This is this is this is a hell of a ride. He
3: That's was, exactly right. Yeah, was I was, I was thinking front. the '05 5 championship, which also had some similar bumps along the way. Mm-hmm. But that '03 3 title, yeah, they lost the first game. You guys mm-hmm. lost they
4: the, first the first game. Lost the first one. Yeah. Lost the first one, man. Exactly. And um, came back, regrouped, and every round was 4-2. And then I said to them, after we won it, I said, man, uh, Marv Rashad and Paris said, Kevin, you, mm-hmm. did you realize you all won every round? Your jersey number, mm-hmm. 4-2, 4-2, 4-2, 4-2, 4-2. Yes, sure That's right. Then
3: you got to go to Paris, uh, to Paris after following, the following yes, season then yeah. Lyon. Yeah. So you know, yeah. we got to travel yeah. international. That's and right. I know you love that part of it, it especially being a fashion guy. That's right. love you know, We man. haven't talked about your fashion yet. We'll yeah. get to that.
1: Meet self. We're the app that helps you build credit and build savings so you can build the life you've been dreaming about with self. You can build positive payment history, build your credit score and get your savings back in the end, minus interest and fees. No credit score necessary to get started. Build stability, build swagger, build your financial freedom. You've got goals. We've got your back while you build your future. Build credit, build savings, build dreams. Download the Self app today. Credit builder accounts made by Lead Bank, South State, and Sunrise Banks, NA. Members FDIC and equal housing lenders. Results vary. Details at Self Inc.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events.
1: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
3: I ask everybody that does the podcast with me about the legacy of the Spurs because um, it, it's 50 years now, as we mentioned, starting in the old ABA. and mm-hmm. uh, I know the the people that uh, have such fond memories of uh, number 44, the Iceman, right. and they mm-hmm. can't think of the early days of the Spurs. But uh, but it's now now 50 year uh, legacy, you know. Of, yes. uh, and after you left, of course, uh, mm-hmm. Manu started to really blossom, and 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 Tony, and of course Tim kept going. So mm-hmm. uh, your thoughts, uh, Kevin, on the legacy of this franchise
4: uh, as far as the the entire NBA is concerned. I think I told Pop after they won the the third when they won the no the fourth championship that 07. Born, 07. Mm-hmm. I, I, I talked to Pop on the phone I was like Pop congratulations um, I, I just don't know how you do it man you're you're an amazing coach you're just unbelievable all the way around organizations unbelievable all the way around I said I wish I was I wish I was here in the in the mid-90s, man. I'll be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> right after they drafted Tim, you mean? <laughs> yeah, man. My, you play with Tim and David? Oh, my God. Yeah. Just just amazing. But just how they, the whole organization, the city, the fans, everybody that's involved in that circle, how they commit themselves to this program. And you come with a purpose, and you're very successful. You, you buy into it. You believe it, and you have a hell of a leader. And when you have that type of commitment to a a great team, a great city, great ownership, things happen. I think things happen. So I, I think they're definitely on the top echelon of the greatest team.
3: Teams ever. I, mean, I appreciate that certainly, but when you talk about community and it's real with the Spurs, mm-hmm. you're involved in, in your community in Atlanta, yes. and I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about the nonprofit that you've got going on. Yeah, uh,
4: my my nonprofit is Atlanta Children's Foundation. My brother and I started back in 2002, um, wanting to impact um, the sports. Sports has been so such a blessing for me and my family, and it's uh, awarded us to do so many amazing things and. To, to have so much and to turn around and not be able to disperse it and give and, and help and give someone else, another, another person, an opportunity and a chance to be successful and live a certain life just wasn't in the, in the car for me. I, I knew I had to do something because I never knew I was going to go play pro. I never knew I was going to go off to college and play. It was just truly ble- a blessing and being focused and dedicated and, um, and someone gave me an opportunity and a chance one day, and I was able to capitalize off of it. And you're giving
3: these young guys and, and ladies, I'm sure,
4: an opportunity yes, as well. Uh, an opportunity yeah. to not only, um, and not necessarily for necessarily sports, but just life in general, to have a chance to be successful, chase their dreams, be safe, be raised in a, in a, in a nice family, wholesome family, and have their siblings together, opposed to being dispersed and all over the country. Um, Atlanta is almost, I think, at the top for sex trafficking. So these little young girls are innocent, and little boys are innocent, but they've they've been taken and kidnapped and done all these horrible things too. So we're trying to to prevent these things, some of these things, from happening. That's awesome, Kevin, that you're involved
3: in something like that. And before we let you go, I know that you're uh, real involved in the fashion industry, yes. and yes. that is uh, that was really your passion all along, right? Man. You majored in fashion at Michigan State, mm-hmm. so you had this
4: vision, this dream of clothing yes. and fashion from a very uh, younger young, age. Young yeah. age. My mom, my mom was a seamstress, and I used to, as a, a child, I used to watch my mom do what she did for many, many years, and. Just went into me, and I, I got off the college, and I changed my, my major from communications to broadcasting to fashion textiles. And once I started, got to the league, and understood immediately that there's a lot of players like myself, 6'11 to 7'5 who have this problem. We can't find the right fashion. You can't. They don't sell it. Everything has to be custom made, and guys are like, want it right now. So... I said, hey, man, I'm going to start my business back in 1988, and I haven't looked back since. Wow. Long time. And you never okay. did get Tim Duncan to get out of jeans, did you? Uh, no. <laughs> that was a tough that, project, that, was That's it? That's a tough one. That's <laughs> tough one. But Tim, Tim has been a great supporter of um, – for my brand and uh, uh, it's awesome and David yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, just, just great guys well it's great
3: that you're here they're going to honor you tonight uh, I've you. already seen the video so, awesome uh, and you got the elbow pads working man. All right. you're, awesome. you're working hard in there thanks, Kevin bro. Willis thanks very much for joining us appreciate that pleasure. I'm happy that our paths crossed uh, yes indeed you're, thank you're, you you're, you're a great guy and uh, you, I'm so happy that you're here and we'll see you probably in Atlanta later in the season I'll like, be better. there I'll be at the game <laughs> I'll be there <laughs> that's today's Sound of Spurs podcast uh, brought to you by the fine folks itself and we'll see you next week